Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. This is episode number 74 and I'm Alison Colley. I'm your host for the show. I'm also a solicitor and employment law and HR specialist. I run my own business, Real Employment Law Advice, where we provide advice to both employers and employees throughout the UK, but primarily based on the South Coast. Now, for those of you who have been listening to the news, you will know that in the week, Theresa May signed the letter triggering Article 50, which means that the UK are officially starting the negotiations to extract ourselves from the European Union. Now, for those of you who listen regularly or read my blog and listen and receive my emails, you'll know that I've talked about the impact of Brexit on employment law. And at the moment, it's unlikely to have a major effect But what I would say to you is that you should keep listening to the podcast and looking out for the newsletter. If you don't already get it fortnightly, you can sign up online on my website, which is adviceforemployers.co.uk, because I will be covering anything employment law related specifically to Brexit. So if you get fed up of hearing about Brexit on the news all the time and the negotiations, and you just want to hear about what's happening with employment law, then sign up or listen to the podcast and I'll be bringing you more information. But what it does mean for now is that it's a fairly quiet start to the new financial year. Normally, employment law changes take place in April and October traditionally, so there's very little taking place at the moment. There is one major change which came into effect on the 1st of April, so this podcast is going out on the 3rd of April, just a couple of days later, and that is a new national minimum wage. So if you don't already know, there is a new national minimum wage which applies to apprentices, which is £3.50, 16 to 17-year-olds, which is £4.05, 18 to 20-year-olds is £5.60, 21 plus is £7.05, and 25 and over is £7.50. And that will be, as you'll know or you'll recall, is the national living wage now for 25 plus is £7.50. So what I've been telling clients and people to do is just check what the actual salary rate is versus the number of hours employees work now because as the national minimum wage and national living wage is creeping up the salaries aren't necessarily enough to cover for the the minimum wage. So just as an example there for somebody who works a typical full-time week of 39 hours a week that would be a salary at the equivalent of £7.50 of £15,210. So just double check that you're paying the correct amount for your staff who are on salaried rate as well as on hourly rate. So that's just a little update for you for April and um, something that's very relevant at the moment. Um, Do obviously tune in for more information. And I'll get on to this week's content, which is another case about employees and workers. As I say, this is another case um, involving the status of people who work for courier companies. As you will have heard before or read in my blog, um, there have been a number of cases. So far, there was the Uber case, which has been in the news quite a lot. Then there was a case against City Sprint. And now this case is against a courier company called Excel Group Services Limited. So it's recently been decided by the London Central Employment Tribunal and is one of four cases that the London Central Employment Tribunal are dealing with. 
around very similar circumstances. However, what was different about this case compared to the others is that Excel Group Services Limited weren't represented at the employment tribunal because the company is in liquidation, so they didn't actually defend themselves. But it's useful to know what the outcome was and how the employment tribunal decided anyway. So Mr Boxer was a cycle courier in this case, and he made a claim that he was a worker. Initially, he made a claim that he was employed or a worker and or a worker, but he withdrew his claim that he was an employee and just proceeded with his claim that he was a worker. Now, the reason why this is important is because Excel Group Services Limited were claiming that Mr Boxer and their other cycle couriers were in fact self-employed persons operating their own business. Mr Boxer, on the other hand, was claiming that he was a worker and therefore he would be entitled to certain rights, which included things like holiday pay, statutory sick pay and qualification for the national minimum wage. And in this case, particularly, he was claiming holiday pay. Now, Mr Boxer worked in reality. He worked five days a week. He was under the supervision of Excel. He would often do nine hours a day. When he was in between courier assignments, he was told to wait in a particular area. So uh, Excel told him where he had to wait when he wasn't actually working. They provided his insurance and they also paid him a fixed rate. So his rates weren't negotiable. He was provided with a contract at the outset when he started up as a cycle courier for them, which stated that he was a self-employed person. But the employment tribunal very quickly decided that actually the reality of the situation was nothing like the contract under which he was employed. So they actually looked at the relationship. Now, Mr Boxer, in addition to those other points, had to be available during the day for them. And if he wanted to take time off, he had to tell them that he wasn't available, at which point they would try and find another courier to take on the jobs. And in practice, although his contract said he could provide a substitute so he could send someone else to do the job for him when he wasn't available, the reality was that it wouldn't actually work out like that by the time he had, they had to go through the checks and that sort of thing. Um, it wasn't the reality that actually, although he could send someone, it wouldn't be practical to do so. So we're looking at whether Mr Boxer was a worker for the purposes of various employment rights. The Employment Tribunal looked at all of those factors and said that basically on the balance of things, he was actually a worker. The only things that Mr Boxer did was to provide his own mobile, um, obviously bicycle and clothing, and but everything else Excel provided for him. So they provided insurance, they provided radio, they provided a palm hand computer, they provided the jobs, they told him where to go, they told him what to do, and he just had to do the work for them. So when analysing the situation, the Employment Tribunal looked to the Employment Rights Act, which states that a worker is someone who has entered into or works under any other contract, whether express or implied, whether oral or in writing, whereby the individual undertakes to do or perform personally any work or services for another party to the contract, whose status is not by virtue of the contract, that of a client or customer of any profession or business undertaking carried out by the individual. And on looking at that definition, the employment tribunal decided that Mr Boxer was not carrying out his own business in this case. And he really was undertaking a contract of service for Excel. And therefore, they decided actually he was entitled to holiday pay because he was a worker. 
and they awarded him £321, which was his holiday pay that he was claiming. Now, the circumstances in this case aren't too different from the previous cases that we've heard about. And as I said, there are other cases going on. So there's been the City Print case. There's one against E-Carrier that's still to be heard and Addison Lee, which is to be dealt with. So those ones will follow. And obviously it comes hot on the heels of the Uber case. So what I would say about these cases is that it's all part of something called the gig economy. And if you've been listening to the news, you would have heard of this new phrase. And it's basically people who are taking up work for these kinds of companies And the companies hold them out as basically being employed or part of the business, but still try to get away with calling them self-employed when in reality, the people aren't self-employed at all. And in fact, there is this line between them being whether they're workers or employees. And in most cases so far, the employment tribunal have held that they are workers and therefore qualify for certain rights. And being a worker has a slightly lower threshold than to trying to show that they're actually an employee, which requires a much more higher level of personal service and what we call mutuality of obligations between the parties. So that's the obligation on one party to provide work and the other to turn up and do it. So as I've said before, if you operate a business and you have people who are working, either as self-employed persons or some other relationship, and the reality is that it doesn't reflect how you're working on a day-to-day basis, then I strongly recommend that you review that and make sure that you are within the law as it will be interpreted by the employment tribunals. I also think it's important to look out for this because at some point, I believe, my, my opinion is, should I say, that there's going to be some legislation on this and some tightening up of workers' rights or self-employed workers' rights because of the way that many businesses are evolving now and using these relationships and obviously just the volume of cases that are happening. There's currently a review being taken place into working practices, which includes practices such as these, which are dealt with by the um, City Sprint and and Addison Lee and Excel and these kind of courier companies, and obviously Uber. And it's called the Taylor Review, so I'd listen out for that. Um, I will, of course, be covering it in the podcast in the future once we know the outcome. But off the back of that, I would expect there'll be some comments, certainly, about how people are working nowadays and likely to be some legislation. So for now, we are left with what comes out of the case law in order to determine somebody's status. But in the future, we might find some tighter legislation that that either prohibits those sorts of sham relationships or some way creates some certainty for people in establishing whether they are somebody who has rights, such as a worker, or if they are self-employed or not. So if you've got any questions about this or you're concerned about the way in which you're operating your business with your contractors or employees, then do get in touch. I'd be happy to have a chat with you about it. You can contact me. My email is alison at realemploymentlawadvisor.co.uk. And of course, if you find yourself in a sticky situation with somebody who's threatening you with an employment tribunal or you've got a claim landing on your door and you want to know someone who can represent you, then we are a full firm of solicitors and would be happy to help you with that. Again, you can get in touch by email or our phone number is 02380 As always, it's been great to talk to you and I'll be back again in two weeks time with the next episode of the podcast. In the meantime, you can subscribe for our fortnightly newsletter, which comes out 
on the alternate week to the podcast and you can sign up at adviceforemployers.co.uk. I look forward to speaking to you soon and I hope you have a great week. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice. 